You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. We're talking with Dr. Frank Milner about managing dental disease and preserving tooth structure in all ages of our population. Dr. Milner maintains a full-time practice in St. Paul, Minnesota, emphasizing appearance-related dentistry. He is the co-founder of the Minnesota Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, a regular speaker on VivaLearning.com, and lectures extensively within the U.S. Armed Forces, as well as internationally, on the subject of direct composite restorations, shade selection, and porcelain materials. Dr. Milner, thanks again for joining us on Dental Talk. Well, it's always been my pleasure to be part of Continuing Education. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're very grateful to you, Dr. Milner. You've done a, a somewhere around 20 webinars for Viva Learning, getting great attendance. Uh, your podcasts have been excellent. Uh, for those of you who have not heard the previous podcasts, they're really worth listening to. Just do a search for Milner on uh, VivaLearning.com in the right-hand search field, M-I-L-N-A-R, and you'll pull up all of Dr. Milner's webinars and also all of his podcasts, and there should be about five podcasts total up to date anyway uh, at this point. So there's certainly a movement that has been going on for a number of years now, Dr. Melner, toward conservative dentistry and preservation of tooth structure for sure. And a big part of this conservative approach depends on recognizing early factors that contribute to the dental disease process. So to begin, can you tell us what are some of the ways we can recognize early factors in the disease process? First, uh, the first factor is just remember you have a license to become a surgeon. I think we should have a license to be physicians and diagnose the disease and understand and control the disease before we amputate and start removing tooth structure because then the disease still is prevalent and it's going gonna, it's gonna to reoccur uh, like heart disease, kidney disease, other things like that. How do you recognize the early symptoms, Phil? This is, first of all, start looking. Um, start looking for plaque. Uh, start looking for what happens when you remove plaque to get a white spot lesion. Okay, that's usually acidic, uh, acidic plaque, and um, that would in, that should start your investigation. Um, decay, interproximal decay. Uh, even when the patient denies uh, no sucrose in the diet, flosses on a regular basis. Uh, this this is a hallmark of acidic saliva, and then we have to become physicians and start understanding the, uh, the etiology of this disease. Also, there are gender factors, Phil. There's female gender fa- age points here, uh, puberty, pregnancy, and menopause, where the um, acidity of the saliva can change and actually feed the uh, acidic biofilm um, especially strep mutans, lactobacillus, and uh, part of our aging population, the geriatric population with a, a plethora of medications that cause dry mouth or xerostomia. This is a, um, a very high risk category for um, prevention of decay. In other words, we're getting involved maximum intervention before minimal reduction of the tooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a very timely topic. Um, you know, there's m- new materials coming out on the market now also that feed right into this minimal invasive dentistry approach. Um, tell us a little bit about the role of saliva, uh, the pH, and, and how that relates to the disease process. Good question, Phil. First of all, we're human beings. We're neutral pH species. Uh, 
were about neutral pH 7.0 to 7.2. Our saliva is re re representative of that. We have two types of saliva. We have resting saliva, just like you and I talking to each other, where there's minor salivary secretion for lubrication so we can speak and swallow, and that pH should be at uh, neutral pH as well. When we stimulate the saliva with the parotid glands, now we got the faucet wide open. Here comes a lot of saliva, and that saliva should be bu uh, buffered or neutral pH as well. So we have to take into account most of the time when we're uh, during the daytime, we have resting saliva uh, in our mouth. We should understand what pH is. For instance, distilled water is a pH of seven. If you look at baking soda, pH of nine, that's why I recommend Arm & Hammer com Complete uh, Toothpaste because it's alkaline. If you start looking down, going down black coffee, pH of five, uh, orange juice, pH of three, sport drinks, pH of three to four, uh, gastric acid, pH of one. We're getting a lot of acidic uh, liquids in our mouth like sport drinks, uh, Coca-Cola, things like this, even the juices, and all that's going to cause demineralization of the mouth. I'll just say one more thing. Nature is good because it relies on a, um, a harmony of demineralization and remineralization of the calcium complexes of the mouth. That's why we have calcium ions in the saliva um, to replenish that which needs replenishing or been, had been removed. So pH is the most important part of the caries detection of the mouth. One more thing about the pH. 6.8 is the lowest pH of resting saliva found in good oral health care. Underneath that is, that's where we, this is where bad things happen. 6.6 6 .6 is ideal pH for cariogenic bacteria. 5.5 hydroxyapatite begins to break down. 4.5 fluorapatite begins to break down. pH is 7.2. These are your um, patients that come in for uh, profies three to four times a year because they're full of calculus. They're alkaline, they buffer. And below 6.8, um, a pH above 6.8, patients have low, low caries risk. You see, Phil, I've taken you through biology, I've taken you through chemistry. Now we're back in chemistry again with pH. Yeah, so can you elaborate on that point that you made about the patient that comes back for the constant uh, root planing, scaling root planing, the heavy calculus, what is their saliva like and, and why does that occur? Well, the first thing you do is get a piece of litmus paper out. You go buy them online, amazon.com, you go buy some pH strips. Everybody in my practice gets them. In new patients or especially you see uh, interproximal decay, a history of uh, restorative dentistry, nobody talks to them. How, how old is the crown? How, how many times has the filling been replaced? Uh, maybe it's the uh, maybe it's not the filling. Maybe it's the pH. So you go, you put a piece of litmus paper in the patient's mouth or your mouth. Let's get some saliva on there and look at it. Look at the color. If it's green, it's alkaline. It's good. Mm -hmm. If it's yellow, you're moderately acidic. You better have a protocol to help these people control the disease. 
because your dentistry is not going to last too long. It's going to go down with the acidic environment. And if you're red, that's code red. That means you better step up to the plate and put a lot of protocols in on how to manage these people because their teeth are just going to start falling apart and start the nerves are starting to die because they're just going through all that. So the goal is to raise the pH of the saliva. The goal is to raise the pH of the plaque and provide the necessary ions to shift the crystalline formation like MI paste, Remin Pro, uh, could be fluoride varnishes three, three times a year, things like that. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, how do you choose the appropriate dental products and materials to help preserve tooth structure in, in an environment where you have an acidic pH? Well, unfortunately for us, fluoride has always been the shrine we worship at. And when you put fluoride in on tooth, you get calcium fluoride. And calcium fluoride is uh, fluoride is not bioactive. What the tooth really needs, Phil, is a remineralization of the calcium fluoride uh, uh, phosphate complex, and those are bioactive ions such as MI Paste, uh, Remin Pro. Uh, there could be some other ones in the marketplace, but that's my first go-to uh, thing versus Prevident Toothpaste, where all you're promoting is um, uh, the fluoride ion, which is not bioavailable, and it creates calcium fluoride, which is basically a scab on the tooth. Right, so what you're looking for is a long-term therapeutic recharging of the mineralization level of the enamel through these materials. That's right. Once you can control that environment, that acidic environments like shock in a pool, what you want to do is get the ecosystem back into stability where it's not in demineralization, it's remineralization. But along with those products that you mentioned, does the dentist look into the cause, the etiology of, of the low pH Saliva, I mean, are you going to be looking into eating disorders or horrible drinking habits of drinking, you know, the guy's an athlete and he's, he's, you know, swallowing gallons of this Gatorade every month? What do you, what do you look into as far as that goes as a dentist? Well, gastric reflux is a big risk factor because you know what the pH of gastric acid mm -hmm. is one. And if that comes up in the oral cavity, you got a problem. And that's a medical problem as well as a dental problem. Sport drinks, you have to tell these people, if you're drinking a lot of Gatorade, you're drinking all these other ones, you, you have a really acidic uh, liquid you're putting in there, and that's going to favor demineralization. If you're a juice drinker, citric acid, orange juice, tomato juice, grapefruit juice, you're really putting something in there that's going to favor demineralization. You just have to be aware of this. The MI paste, I think there's an MI paste plus also, right, that's with fluoride, and then Remin Pro, I think, is a vo is that a VOCO product? That's a VOCO product, and and actually, let's let's go back to GC America with MI Paste. Right. The majority of my patients I prescribe is not MI Paste Plus with fluoride. I want I don't want the fluoride. Mm -hmm. Get fluoride varnishes. I want the calcium complex and uh, uh, phosphate complex, which are bioavailable. Right. Plus the fact that if you put fluoride in there, you can't swallow it. Mm -hmm. So MI paste makes a lot of sense. Remin Pro is uh, from Boco is nanohydroxyapatite. Uh, these are nanoparticles, and if you talk to um, uh, the so-called uh, Brian Novi and others that drive this, um, 
they're they're telling us some good things about nanohydroxyapatite. Yeah, yeah. Brian Novi's a he's a, supposedly a superstar on this topic as well. Um, yeah, and these products are supposed to be used for long term, right? This is a time process for that remineralization to occur. Is that right? That's true, because if you and I have hypertension or high cholesterol, what's the chances of us getting off the medication? Right. So Not, it, not so good. And if you have this risk factor uh, on this one, you, you have to, you, you, all of a sudden your saliva is not going from acidic to, to alkaline. Right. It's not the way it works. You, you have to be very mindful as a physician of the mouth and guide them through it once in a while. Just redo the, the, the uh, litmus paper and just verify what you see. Uh, make sure it doesn't get worse. Now, do the dental hygienists handle this in, usually in a dental practice? Uh, what is it, CAMBRA? Is that the acronym for the risk assessment? Carries management by risk assessment. Yeah, CAMBRA. And, and that's, is that something you use in your practice? I do. And my, my assistants and hygienists have a license and an authorization by me to put the pH strip in somebody's mouth and not to make a, uh, a diagnosis and treatment plan, but just to say this is a risk factor. Dr. Milner and I think alike. You have that, got that part. We think alike because we've been trained together and they know the protocol. I'm going to ask the hygienist, what would, I'm curious, what would you do? And she'd say this, and I'd say, you know what, I agree. And we, we think alike, and they're not making the, the recommendation. They're just thinking out loud, and that adds credibility to the patient right. or that, the staff member. Mm-hmm. So what is minimally invasive so-called uh, dentistry? We hear that all the time. Okay, so when you say minimally invasive, that means you're making small, less damage to the tooth. So it went, what what I would say this is you can salvage uh, demineralized enamel that's been white spot lesion and remineralize it with ion exchange products such as Remin Pro, such as MI Paste. Um, you can you can take a look and salvage that and use that into your leveraging of adhesion um, when you do minimally invasive dentistry. The sin the sinful part here is that you remove enamel in a cavalier sense because you don't understand the value of it. Enamel is your best friend. Even mm-hmm. if it's demineralized, if it's white spot, that doesn't mean you amputate it. This means you surround it with some other good stuff. So minimally invasive is salvage enamel at all costs. You need that. That's your shield. That's, that's part of mechanical engineering to leverage the enamel in, into the whole scheme of things, and you do a volumetric analysis on what you're restoring, such as a GB black slot, and then you put a radius around it that is equal to the volume of the preparation or even greater, leverage it on at least one to two times the amount of uh, internal volume with your radius bevels. Right. So, minimally invasive dentistry. Right. So what you're achieving here is you're being very conservative. The whole idea is to just maintain as much enamel as possible through uh, the remineralization process you just discussed, hoping that you maintain as much enamel so that when you do have to do some adhesive dentistry, you have the enamel as your best friend, which will uh, ultimately give you more predictable clinical success, right? That's correct. 
Now, you see, what we have, you and I have in common on all these modules is the ability to think. It's a thought process that you think your way through these circumstances, and we don't go on autopilot like uh, universal bond, like backfilling, like some of the other things. We think about what we're doing, we have a thought process, and we follow strategies. We have predictable, logical, sequential protocols on this one, on this episode, we have the whole staff involved on this one. Even your front desk understands their carries risk management people at the front. They know all, everything that's been filled out, what you recommend, what the prescriptions are, what the protocols are on um, recall appointments, and they are also active and they understand what has been recommended, when are you due for a refill, when are you due for a flu, uh, fluoride varnish, that sort of thing. Everybody's in on this one. That's a great approach, and I really hope that uh, a lot of the dental professionals out there think like this, because when a patient sits down in the, in the doctor's chair, you know they have faith in the doctor, thinking that that doctor is going to provide the, the most conservative treatment and the best treatment, just like you would on a family member. I know back in the day, we used to see dental magazines with pictures of veneers being, you know, they literally just drilled into these teeth with these depth cuts. You, you know, who are, I don't want to mention any names, but you remember those days. It wasn't that long ago. A doctor would be crucified to, to do that now, hopefully. Those days are hopefully... It's sacrilegious. Over. Yeah. I mean, when I used to see those on the front cover of these cosmetic magazines, and I used to look at these pictures of these, and I was an endodontist at the time, not a restorative dentist. It made me sick to see the depth cuts, you know, that they would do to make these beautiful veneers and these, it was just, an, it was part of the whole makeover scene, right? It was. And I came through the ACD at that time where we were part of the websites and we were, uh, had our patients on the journals. In other words, this was the wild west. We came and shot up the town. It was, um, it was incredible. We rode out of town and we left them to the endodontist to treat our mistakes. Yeah. You, you can't do this today. It here, here, here's the bottom line. I make more money by doing less drilling or no drilling today by becoming a physician of the mouth, mm -hmm. become, by being an educator, by being a mechanical engineer. Um, I tell the patients I care about controlling the disease. And a lot of times they come in and said, uh, oh, my other dentist, they just wanted to, every time I come in, they found two cavities or he wants a new crown to pay for his car. Well, <laughs> that could be true, but what caused this? Mm-hmm. Um, let's get the history on this. Let's get the history straight before we start pointing fingers because I certainly will not take apart teeth in an acidic environment and warrant my dentistry is going to last five to ten years. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. It won't. I have to disclose the risk. Then that way they own the risk. If they don't manage their disease, I'm not responsible. Right. And I will not build in an acidic environment unless I control the environment first, the best of my abilities, before I actually start taking things apart. There was an adage back, you want to be a mechanic? Talk like a mechanic. No, you're a dentist. Talk like I'm a dentist. Uh, I'm thinking it differently this, this time around. I am your tooth mechanic. You come into my shop, I'm taking the, I'm doing the metrics, I'm doing the analytics, I'm checking under the hood, I want to make sure things are running right, and if I, before I take things apart, I want to make sure we do the, 
uh, the general maintenance on this the right way so it lasts. Right. And once they understand this, that you're not out to to, to get crowns off of them in in over treatment plan, you really are concerned about what you're going to do to their teeth long term because it's not if my dentistry will be replaced, it's when. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, we appreciate the time and the insight, Dr. Milner. Again, this was very interesting. Uh, you have so much to offer the dental profession with years of experience, and we hope to have you on future podcasts, and we appreciate everything you brought to light here. We really do. Phil, it's always been my pleasure. I'm always a great advocate of dental education, and uh, I hope that people that listen to this tonight uh, found value in this presentation. Thank you so much. 